Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 375. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rickshaw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. What's going on? You know. Same old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glorious. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the Russian sci-fi horror film Sputnik. We'll also be going over some of watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Please remember to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That would be super helpful. But with that, I think we can dive straight in to Sputnik. I have a synopsis here. The lone survivor of an enigmatic spaceship incident hasn't returned back home alone. Hiding inside his body is a dangerous creature. Enigmatic spaceship incident. All right. This is directed by Igor Abramenko. Abramenko. Now, not too many Russian sci-fi horror movies out there. Uh, in fact, I read somewhere that this is the first. So, Ke- so Kevin, we'll we'll start it with you. What were your initial impressions of Sputnik? Sputnik means companion. Um, I- Get it? Means companion. Uh, okay. All right. You see what they did? That opens things up. That opens things up. Now I get it. It's all become so clear to me. <laughs> what they're going for. <laughs> uh, okay. Sci-fi horror taking place in space. You know, that I like that kind of stuff. Love it. This is a bit different because the everything happens once once he comes back from space so we're not we're not dealing with the stuff out in space but he does bring something back from space and i gotta say it was pretty much what i was looking for i gotta gotta admit now i did find it kind of looking back on it after the movie was over i was kind of surprised you know just kind of like going over what happened in terms of like the the timeline of this movie and the plot points everything that happens and realizing that this movie was like two hours long and this isn't a criticism against the film, but I'm pretty sure it didn't need to be two hours long. I mean, it didn't feel the weight of that runtime, but at the same time, again, thinking of the timeline, all the plot points, there's not a whole lot that happens in this movie. And I just feel like I don't, we, we spent so much time and very little happened. Now I did like what happened mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. And I thought that the, uh, the, like the effects work themselves, like the creature design, the gore, all of it worked rather well. I thought, I thought it looked good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that there were some pacing issues with it. I, I agree that it was a bit too lengthy. It, it could have been trimmed down, but like you, I didn't really feel that length either. I was pretty much on board and engaged the whole time. I really like the aesthetic of it where you have this kind of, it takes place in the eighties. So you have this kind of um, very drab because it's all like in this research facility. It's in this like, um, you know, space lab thing. I I don't know what their, their version of NASA is called. (laughs) what the Russian version of NASA is called. 
but it's in like their lab and they're keeping this guy this cosmonaut who comes back from space carrying something with him and they're trying to figure out like what it is how they can remove it from him but also how they can weaponize it because of course it's a government so this is taking place you know during during the uh the cold war so got a lot yeah, of, a lot of imagine, lo- imagine if russia got that weaponized that during the cold war like game, game over, over. game Ooh. over Right. And I think and and that should also it should also be noted you you had mentioned the effects work and this is like a it seems like a pretty big budget movie. I don't know what the the budget was for this, but it's it's a big it's a big movie. Uh so there's a lot of effects work going on here. It's not one of these things where you don't really see the alien until the end like you see the alien pretty early on and you see a lot of the alien throughout the movie, so yeah, you get to spend a decent time with the with the alien. Mm-hmm. You can do all sorts of stuff. I liked the, toys. I really liked the creature design. I really liked there's this like little montage towards the beginning when that um, I can't I can't remember if he's like a general or whatever rank he is. The 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 head guy is sort of explaining how the alien works and how it like lives inside of him and how the biology of it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just like, yeah, all right. Like they're they're taking the time to lay this out and show like how this sort of symbiotic relationship between the alien and it's like host body, this guy, uh, how, how that all fits together and how it survives and how he survives and all of that stuff. And I really liked that sequence. So what you have here is Oksana Akinshina, who is, she plays this, uh, psychologist. I, I'm I, her character. Is so everything about that is just very bizarre to me. Cause I feel like there's another movie there. Cause the way in which she gets recruited into this thing is she's introduced in front of this like board. Mm-hmm. They're trying to like decide her, her fate and her career. Cause apparently she like drowned a kid. It's like that was like her thing. Apparently it's like, I'm going to drown this kid. And I don't, I can't, what did, I have so many questions. Yeah. Like what, so many questions. What, what Cause it's that? like, what, <laughs> what happened? There? And didn't they say like, Oh, the kid, I forget what exactly the kid was suffering from, but she was like, yeah, it's actually because of the mother, the mother's fault that he suffers from this. And I decided the way to save him from this is to drown him until like he was almost dead and then like bring him out of the water. And like, of course, the, the colonel for the cosmonaut, he's like, yeah, I need someone that can, that'll go and do anything. Risk it all. Regardless of the <laughs> And I love that when he brings that up later, he makes that point to point out, you know, like, hey, you drowned that kid. And I thought that that was going to be like, hey, do you think, like, maybe if we drown the cosmonaut? (laughs) (laughs) That's like her one thing. (laughs) I still don't understand, like, how how did she cure this kid of whatever it was by drowning him? I don't. 
it's just insane to me. Uh, yeah, I have no idea what that was all about. It's, <laughs> but but we know that she's edgy. We know that she's a risk taker. So that's why she was brought into this project. And uh, so it's it's up to her to get into the mind of the guy and the alien and try to figure out like how to separate them without killing the host. And she, you know, she discovers a lot of really interesting things about how, how they work together and stuff. And then, but, but there's also some kind of surprises that happen later on that I thought added a, a kind of an interesting dynamic to it. But yeah, I think it did a pretty good job of knowing when it was kind of running out of steam and kind of adding or giving you a little bit more information about this creature or the, the, the creature's relationship with its host. Yeah. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of kind of bringing that out. Yeah, because, I mean, if like pretty much every other 80s set Cold War movie involving the Soviet Union, everything is really cloak and dagger. So everybody, they only give you the, the little morsels of information that you absolutely need. So when she comes in, she thinks she knows everything that's going on, but there's a lot more happening underneath the surface that we later find out. So you find out that, that there's all these secrets in this facility. And I thought that that was, that was a, a fun and interesting dynamic and a revelation that, that occurred. Now, one thing that I found to be a bit lackluster was the end. I, I, I was a, a little bit disappointed with the ending. I felt like it sort of, there was a pretty big buildup to the conclusion and the, or the climax, but what we got, I was like, oh, I, I felt like it went out with more of a whimper than I was kind of hoping. Yeah. And I feel like it, and another aspect of that is this, like, you know, I don't know if you, like a side plot or whatever with the, the cosmonauts kid it's like stuck in an orphanage which just seems good and it's like to me just didn't really work no, at all no and they of course that gets thrown into the at the end yeah just kind of like it's wrapping things up and it's just like that was like a puzzle piece that just never fit it was to a completely different puzzle yeah, they kept. And all I can think of is that she got that kid. That kid had some issues, and then she drowned him. <laughs> well, and also the the whole like twist with that, I th- I found to be like it was like one of those things where you just when they revealed it, you're just like, all right, <laughs> so so what, yeah. <laughs> so what? <laughs> I don't care. Like the whole thing with like the kid trying to get the shoes off the shelf yeah and, yeah I, it, and just like it's like after everything that happens with the creature the the companion sputnik in russia everything once that's all like kind of tied up and then they go to the kid and like i don't care about this kid and this is a, this is a different movie i don't know what you're doing we're already done honestly Roll i feel credit. yeah honestly i feel like they could have removed all of the orphanage stuff out of it and it it still would have had weight like the fact that 
his kid was in an orphanage and all of that stuff, like it still would have had weight and you could still draw that connection between Tatiana and the cosmonaut and, and that sort of bond that they yeah. form and all of that. You you could still make that connection without that, un, that completely unnecessary, like this kid's trying to get these shoes again. <laughs> They're ch- <laughs> trying to go after their <laughs> shoes again. He's fixing it on his shoes, which again, it's, Going back to the other kid, that seems like something that she would have to try and cure his fixation on these shoes. And she would probably choose to drown him in <laughs> yeah. order to fix that, to rectify that. Mm. All that all that said though, I still I still really enjoyed myself throughout this movie. Again, the like the visual style I love I loved the sort of drab, yeah. colorless style of it. It it all looked really nice very very high production value in this the the score had it had this like really epic like summer blockbuster score which was really weird because at times it was like this epic like the bombastic score that you would like expect to see in like a marvel movie or something but the scene that you're watching, you're just like, ah, it doesn't really... Let's tone it down yeah. a little bit. Like, really- what we're watching on screen does not match the excitement of this music that's happening right now. The perfect example of that is the they do this like very, like you said, this very bombastic, that like loud drone thing that's in movies now, like every movie ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they do that in what is essentially just a scene of the colonel in front of the alien that's it that's all that happens and the alien stands up and like comes into the frame and remember at this point in time we've already been introduced to the alien like seven eight nine times so it's not really like this big reveal or surprise or anything but it hits you with that super loud drone blast thing like oh shit alien standoff and it's like they're just they've already met they've spent a lot of time together like he's behind glass, nothing's going to happen. It's a very odd choice with mm. the, the score. Gets pretty violent at times too. I mean, the alien does fuck some shit up. So if you're looking for uh, an, a, 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 some action in your sci-fi with uh, an alien just ripping heads, oh yeah, uh, yeah, cause that's that's what you need to know about this alien. He he goes straight for the head, and he fucking loves to rip it. Yeah, just fucking rip that fucker open i also would like to mention there's a scene when you actually see so the way that it works is the alien leaves the cosmonaut's body every night and the first time you see it it it, it's like he like vomits up the the alien it like comes out of his mouth and normally in movies when like large things are coming out of people's mouths uh, it looks really weird because they have to add CG to, you know, widen the mouth and all of that stuff. And it just, it, they can never quite get it right. And while this didn't look 100% real, I would say that this movie has the best uh, object coming out of someone's mouth scene that, that I think I've, yeah, ever, well, that I've ever seen. And I think that's because they, you can tell they put a lot of thought into like the creature design mm-hmm. because yeah. they even, they they point out and how it stays in 
where it's, where it's located in his body, like how it how it's in there and you don't notice it. And it's like, oh, it completely makes sense. And when you see it come out and then it kind of like uncoils, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no. Yeah. It totally makes sense. I get it. Yep. So really, really great work on the uh, visual effects. I mean, there's a lot of CG here, but it looks, it's quite good. So props to them for for all of that. And I do... I love it. it's the beginning because, you know, they bring her on and they're like, yeah, we got to get, you know, the creature and him separate. And I'm just wondering, like, did they ever try just separating the two? Because it seemed like they, they didn't, they really weren't spitballing any ideas and how to, to separate the two. It didn't really seem like they ever really tried. But they have plenty of opportunities to separate the two. I think that they were concerned because of what happened to the other cosmonaut. I think they were worried that he would just die. And they they absolutely could not have him die because of Moscow and the fact that they were lying to Moscow yeah. and telling them that the cosmonauts came back safe. So I think that they were just really trying to play it safe and that's why they brought in the uh the doctor to see if she could figure out a way to like do it the right way this yeah. is this is a, da- uh, a this was a short film originally by the yeah. same same director it was called the passenger i feel like maybe i saw this movie at some point maybe at a film festival or something uh, a couple of years ago but it was the same premise pretty much yeah I guess in a weird way, I thought the alien was kind of cute. Well, it's it's designed that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's designed that way. Especially there's like one scene when it kind of curls up around this, this object and you, you do sort of empathize with the creature. It's not this like kind of hideous, you know, xenomorph style thing where where you're just immediately terrified of it. It does have, Still an efficient killing machine, but it's also really cute. It is, yeah. I think it's, yeah, the eyes and just it's how it like. I mean, one of the things that like instantly makes a creature cuter is when it like ticks its head, you know, when it cocks its head. Mm-hmm. So I think that they did a good job of making this because you're like you're like this guy's curious. Yeah, curious little guy. Yeah, you said because that had come off. I'm gonna see if that head comes off. <laughs> we'll see. I'm gonna see how quickly I can pop that head off. <laughs> so overall, yeah, I thought that this was was pretty pretty damn solid. I I really enjoyed yeah, myself with it. I think you know there were a few bits here and there that weren't quite up to snuff, but I'd say it's worth a look for sure. Yeah, definitely if you're in the mood for this type of thing. Yeah. I which, think it, it does a really good job for what it is. Yeah, which I totally was. Like, as soon as as soon as soon this movie came on my radar, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. So Sputnik is going to be on VOD platforms Friday, so be sure to uh, add that to your watch list. Let's go ahead and give this a score. I'm thinking around a six, six and a half for this one. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Six and a half. I'm yep. going to go with. Yeah, check it out. Again, that's called Sputnik. All right, let's take a look at what we've been watching this week. 
Uh, I crammed in a few things towards the end of the week. Uh-oh. Watch out. I started with Blackwater from 2007. Uh, the reason I watched this is because the... It's not really a sequel, but the next one in the series called Blackwater Abyss came out, so I watched both of those. Uh, this is the... I think they're both... Are they both directed by the same dude? Um, yeah, and Andrew Trauke. Uh These are Australian creature features about crocodiles, yeah. killer crocs. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. first, the first one involves uh, three three people who are vacationing. They go on this um, uh, like a like a fishing tour, sort of in the swamps, and they get attacked by a crocodile. And their guide gets immediately eaten, and mm. the the so the th- and the, it flips their boat too. So the three oh, people, good. the th- the three uh, tourists, are left basically in a tree, and beneath them is a giant killer crocodile, and they have to figure out a way to get out of there. And of course, no one knows where they are. Their cell phones got wet. So they have no way to communicate, and uh, yeah, it's uh, not not a good uh, not a good situation for them. This movie's it's okay. Um, I I didn't I didn't hate it. I feel like watching these killer croc or killer alligator movies after Crawl. It's just like they're not they're not living up to that movie. And also, there's mm-hmm. other, I think, better um, killer alligator crocodile movies like Rogue out there. But this one, it's okay. This one sort of reminded me of uh, Open Water, the, that shark movie, where mm-hmm. it, this is very low budget. So a lot of the kind of horror, a lot of the tension comes from like subtle movements in the water. So you don't see the crocodile a whole lot when you do see it. I mean, they used like actual footage of crocodiles and I think they had some kind of like, um, you know, fake crocodile. There's no CG in this one. Uh, now in the second one they did, they amped it up a bit and did add some CG. It didn't look bad or anything, but in the second one, it's, essentially the same exact premise except you have a group of i think five friends who are going into this cave so they find this this like cavern in the jungle of uh in the forest of of northern australia and they go down there and a big storm hits and it floods the cave and they get trapped in there but then they find out that there's a killer croc in there too uh both both movies have the that trope of a one of the characters is pregnant and you discover that she's pregnant because she doesn't drink alcohol at dinner. Mm. So that that's in both of them. That's how everyone always finds out. Yep. You don't even need a pregnancy test. Nope. Anytime someone's around. Not drinking alcohol. Yeah. What's going on there? Pregnant. Yeah, you know, I I think the first one is better than the second one. Both of them are pretty mean spirited. Like they, 
both of them are pretty pretty dark as far as like who dies how they die how it ends like it's they're they're pretty rough like there's no, there's not really happy endings at these movies um but yeah the second one was a little bit of a letdown i was kind of hoping for more of the like the third because you know with a lot of these movies that combine like a creature feature and like a containment thriller they have to juggle both like that movie i talked about recently pool where yeah there was there was an alligator in that pool but one of the big problems is the fact they were trapped in a pool for six days you know and they they were they were starving to death and they had no water and all of that so i kind of like when they have to grapple with the environment as well as the the predator that's going after them and there was a little bit of that in this but they they just get trapped in a cave and they can't get out so there's not a lot going on with that and the characters were pretty shitty in this one too so overall i would say (laughs) that they're pretty mediocre creature features with movies like crawl and rogue out i would say these are kind of irrelevant I watched uh, Scarecrow from 1973. This is directed by Jerry Schatzberg, uh, who is a director that I feel like should be far more known than what he is. Uh, I've seen three of his films now, and uh, they're all pretty pretty damn good. And especially this movie. Uh, this is his third movie. Um, and he's just as good as anyone else working during like the seventies, that American wave that happened. Uh, and this is a movie with Gene Hackman and Al Pacino. So this is the early Al Pacino role. And it's just them two playing two drifters, just bumming around. And they're just trying to get to Pittsburgh because Gene Hackman just got out of the joint. He's been in jail for a while. He got out. And he's just trying to get to the East Coast. He's got to get to Pittsburgh. All his all his money's in the bank in Pittsburgh. And once he gets there, he gets his money out. He's going to open up a car wash. That's that's it. That's the whole plot. And Al Pacino just happens to he got off of like a, I think out of like Navy service. So he's just trying to get to Detroit to see his kids that he hasn't seen ever. So. It's an interesting uh, matchup with these two because Gene Hackman plays this guy that is, uh, one, he's just focused on this car wash. That's all he wants to do. just wants to open up this goddamn car wash. And he just wants to fight everyone. Like, he just hates people. And he just gets into fist fights all the time. He's kind of an asshole. He's just, he's a huge asshole. And he wears, like, 18 layers of clothes. And Al Pacino is this uh, kind of like the the little court jester. He just never stops joking around. And at first, they don't they don't they don't get along. Hackman hates them. <clears throat> and it's a really interesting look at like male friendship because the only thing that brings them together is Gene Hackman has a cigar, and he doesn't have a lighter. And Pacino gives him his last match, and instantly that bonds him for life because of that small that small gesture so that from that point on these guys take his fees and he ends up getting recruited into to help him out with the car wash and everything and it's just them 
traveling across the country trying to get to Pittsburgh and things go wrong because Hackman likes to punch people in the face. This sounds like a delight. It is, it is pretty good. And it's really surprising that it's not like more well-known. I mean, even for like Shatsbury's movies in general, aren't that well-known, but a movie with Gene Hackman and Al Pacino being buddies, like a road trip buddy movie. Yeah. Sounds sounds good. This is called Scarecrow. How did you watch this? Uh, I ran it on Amazon. The dollar ninety nine. I finally just I was like, "Fuck it, I'm rent this thing." I've been wanting to see it for a long time. Cool. Uh, I saw an American Pickle directed by Brandon Trost. This is the Seth Rogen one. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> I keep seeing stuff for it. But I haven't looked into it because I'm just like, this this is ridiculous. American Pickle. So this is on HBO Max. And it is about Seth Rogen. He plays this uh, migrant worker uh, from 100 years ago who gets a job at a pickle factory in New York. And he his job is to smash rats he has to kill rats in this pickle factory well one one day he when he's smashing rats he ends up falling into the vat of like the pickle brine like he falls in mm-hmm. and the factory gets condemned and he gets stuck in the pickle brine and he it preserves him for a hundred years and mm-hmm. he gets aw- awoken a hundred years later it's now you know 2020 and he, his only living relative is his great grandson, who is also played by Seth Rogen. And it's uh, it's a movie about you know family and religion and reconnecting, and it's it's okay. Uh, I I honestly really wasn't that into it. I didn't find it that funny. I found parts of it to be amusing, but. Nothing really made me laugh out loud or anything. The, yeah. the the fish out of water aspect of it was very slight. So that only happened in like the first act where, you know, there's this guy, this guy who's just trying to acclimate to modern times. So th- that's probably where most of the comedy lies, but it was, I can imagine it was really, there's not much there to it. Like he got, he got acclimated to the modern world pretty, pretty quickly. So I don't know. Overall, a lot of people are really liking this movie, but for me, it just didn't really, didn't really hit for me. Uh, Interesting. Cause I, did, I never looked into it. Cause I thought it sounds just the title sounds stupid and it just seems stupid. But what you just told me is far stupider than I would have thought. <laughs> yeah, so like young the young Seth Rogen is working, he has this like app and it it the the app is uh designed to show like if a company makes an ethical product so you can like scan an item and it'll give it a, it'll show you a score to so you can see if that company makes ethical decisions or not and his great grandpa does something to like 
mess mess up his chances of getting an investor and they have a falling out and the his great grandpa decides that he wants to create a pickle company and so he starts making these uh like artisanal pickles and of course this is in brooklyn so you know they they take off and yeah it turns into this like sort of battle between the two of them to sort of ruin each other but yeah i don't know just didn't didn't really uh didn't really land for me there's there's some <laughs> there's some sweet moments there's like a level of kind of sentimentality to it that that's kind of nice but overall it just didn't really eh, didn't really do anything for me okay i'm glad i never looked into it from the director of the fp remember the fp the fp the the it sounds familiar. it the one the sci-fi movie that's like in the post-apocalyptic world where they all have uh dance dance revolution battles oh yeah yeah. Supposedly there's a sequel to that coming. I remember that movie now. I got it. I only watched uh, one other movie. Alright? They just deal with it. And that's Echo. Which is, came out on the movie recently. This is directed by Ronar Ronerson, who is a guy that directed a movie called Volcano um, back in 2011. Which... I really, really enjoyed it. Absolutely loved that movie, right? So I was pretty excited for Echo. From what I read, pretty good things. Um, so I decided to check it out. It's only 79 minutes, pretty short. And it is, all it is, is like 56 little scenes, right? And the way that they're set up is that it's really difficult to tell whether like a lot of these scenes are staged uh, or whether it is acting or whether it is like the camera's just capturing, you know, this, this small moment because all the scenes, like they only last like a minute or two, you know, they're not that long. Right. And it's just all throughout Iceland and it's during like the Christmas holidays. So it's a couple of days before Christmas and then goes the whole way up until like, I think like the day or two after New Year's. So it's just these little scenes of of Icelandic life during that during that holiday season, which you know it's okay. I mean, it it works occasionally. You know, of course, there's going to be uh, some some discrepancy when you have fifty six scenes, small short scenes. It's always a static camera. It's just a static camera capturing this small scene so some of them work some of them don't um but the nice thing about them is none of them out you know overstay their welcome they're all short so and i mean it's okay it works it works for the most part um I, there is a part of me that after you know when i come to the end of this viewing experience i did kind of just wonder to myself like i why did I do that? Like, what? I didn't really get anything out of it. But I also kind of knew going into it that I probably wouldn't get anything out of it because it's just this slice of life type deal. But you're never with any character for any length of time, you know? 
that you can really establish anything like any sort of connection with anyone in this movie so it just it didn't didn't really work as a whole mm. it's yeah whatever did it make you want to visit iceland well yeah because i mean it's iceland right i mean you can't really show iceland and not be like well <laughs> i think it's really difficult to show iceland and be like well i look like a shithole yeah I mean, every, everywhere you go in Iceland, you're just like, wow. Like, every, literally, literally everywhere. Like, even, like, small, like, rinky-dink it's, town. Yeah, it's, it's a small place with an amazing landscape. Yep. Yeah. The cities are beautiful, too. Like, all, all of the towns and villages and stuff in Iceland are just really awesome. I might have to check this out. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Iceland. Yeah. I like Iceland. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll like, and uh, I mean, in... And in that way, it works for me, you know, because it does feel kind of like this, like vacation movie, you know, city symphony type deal. And it it helps that it's during like the Christmas holidays, right? So you kind of have that that festiveness throughout. But at the same time, there's just not a whole lot there. Yeah. All right. Uh, And that is Echo, and that's on Mubi right now. So if you have a Mubi subscription, check that out. Uh, the only other one I'll mention is the tax collector. This is the David Ayer one that came out this weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, where to begin? First of all, I will say that I am not a fan of David Ayer's movies. Looking at his filmography, I have seen seven David Ayer movies and I mm-hmm. literally have not liked a single one. Gotcha. Except for Fury. Fury was the only David Ayer movie that I even remotely liked. That was the the war, uh, World War II movie about the tank crew. That was good. Mm-hmm. That one was good. But the rest? No, 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 no. Uh, David Ayer has a very specific style. Like When you see a, um, a David Ayer movie, you're just like, oh yeah, this is, this is definitely a David Ayer movie where he likes to mix in action with just brutal, mean violence. And I, I think Sabotage is probably the, the best example of that. This, this movie that is just so relentlessly grim and violent and awful uh, that you just feel dirty after you watched it. And you're just like, ah, can't deal with that ever again. Uh, he also did End of Watch, too. I don't know if you remember that one, where it's like a found footage style movie, but it's about uh, two cops, Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was another one, because they, like, they're both corrupt as shit, and like they're just shitbags. Uh, this movie is about uh, the... It, it takes place in the in LA and involves these two guys who work for the drug cartel and essentially it, any, any gang in, in LA has to pay taxes to the cartel. And so Shia LaBeouf and Bobby Soto are the tax collectors. So they go around to all these gangs and collect 30% of their earnings. And as you might imagine, something goes awry and this 
other um, gang leader guy come comes around and decides that he wants to take over and kills starts killing off everybody in their crew. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is the highlight of this movie because he just just full on goes into this this character and he just commits a hundred percent to it and. It's unfortunate because he's in it. He's only in it for about half the movie. So I I could have used a lot more of him since he was the most compelling character. He also oddly felt like the most fleshed out character, even though like he's not the main guy. Uh, Bobby Soto's character felt like sort of just this blank slate in comparison. Uh, It is relentlessly violent, but at the same time, it has these moments where you're just like, all right, let's have something happen. It, when you watch it, it's like unbelievable to me that this is like a big budget sort of David Ayer action movie because it looks so cheap and so cheesy at times. Could not get on board with it. George Lopez is in it and he's actually quite good in it as well, but he's only in it for like maybe two or three scenes. And then there's this like, there's this like big reveal at at one point, and you're just like, it's at the end, and you're just like, why did they do that? That was, seemed so pointless. But anyway, it's uh, it's really bad, and I could not recommend checking out the tax collector. It's not even there's not even that much action in it, honestly. Like you you there's this like one part where they're gearing up you know they're gearing up for a war and then something happens and you're just like oh uh, all right <laughs> war's been postponed <laughs> so so there's not even like I that can, much action in it and i can see it now when you said that i just this like very frenetic people grab the magazine clips a lot of cocking and guns and like you know that that kind of thing yeah that what's going on yeah they're here <laughs> Yep. Uh, I could I could direct a remake of this movie without even seeing it. it and the, shot, just shot, just the level of grisly violence in it. It like there there's a scene where you see someone's like they're they're in a van, in a moving van, like on a highway, and they're interrogating this person from from inside the van, and the person's not talking. So they open the van and they press the dude's mm-hmm. face on the road in from the moving van mm-hmm. and it just scrapes the whole, the side of the dude's face yeah. completely off like skeleton. Like he's half skeleton at this point. And That's what I hate about is it's like an excuse when anytime someone does, you know, a cartel movie, it's the only reason they do a cartel movie is because they're like, Ooh, I can do it as big and be as violent and as fucked up as I want it to be. There's be like, yeah, cartel. Yeah. But there's, there's tasteful ways to do it there. There's respectful ways to do it. Like I think Sicario, you know, that's a, an insanely violent movie, but I think that the way that they portray the violence in that movie doesn't glorify it in any way. And in this movie, it feels sort of the opposite. I mean, the grisly violence that's in this movie. And I love violence, to be clear. I, I love violence. But it, <laughs> it, never, it never seems to fit in a David Ayer movie. I would, again, recommend 
just watching sabotage and you'll you'll see what i'm talking about yeah 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 see i I like violence too but i'm more so like the you know cute cuddly alien <laughs> ripping heads fucking head in half yeah diagonally sure 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 okay let's talk about some vod releases on the 11th we have gripped climbing the killer pillar this is a rock mm. this is a rock climbing pillar uh rock climbing pillar <laughs> <laughs> well it is it is a pillar i guess it's a rock climbing thriller it's a feature length wow. rock climbing survival epic wow yeah there you go check that incredible. out incredible we have uncle peckerhead which is mm-hmm. a, it appears to be some kind of horror comedy or something doesn't, doesn't look great. We have The Dark End of the Street. This is a thriller that looks pretty good, actually. This is sort of... Um, takes place over the course of one night in this like suburban neighborhood, and it follows like several people who live in the neighborhood, and there's someone going around killing their pets. No. Yeah. Got a um, number of indie indie people in there uh lindsey burge being one of them on friday the 14th we have endless it's like a it's a rom- romantic movie a little romance we have never too late starring james cromwell shane jacobson and jackie weaver as norma why would they have her the name in there like james cromwell Shane Jacobson and Jackie Weaver as Norma. Like we're supposed to know who Norma is. Yeah, dude, Norma. Obviously. We have The Silencing. This is a action movie with Nikolaj Kolster Waldu. We have Sputnik. And that looks like that's about it for VOD. Take a look at the VOD calendar for the updated releases. On Blu-ray this week, we have Split Second from 1992, starring Rutger Hauer. This is a yeah. this is a sci-fi thriller, which I never saw, but I really want to see it. It's part of the MVD Rewind collection. I really like the what they're doing with the MVD Rewind collection. It's like um, it's sort of like Arrow, but it's like kind of 90s centric. So a lot of okay. like low budget or lesser known 90s horror cult sci-fi movies. So really into that. Got Phantom of the Opera from 1962. We got The Quest from 1986 starring Henry Thomas. No, uh, Henry Thomas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. Mike Michael from 1996. This is the John Travolta vehicle. He's an angel. Oh, I remember that. He's I remember a, that movie. Yeah, so do I. We have Date with an Angel from 1987, Diva from 1981, oh. Mikey from 1992. This is another MVD Rewind Collection movie. And we have Gemini from 1999, Neo Ultra Q from 2013, The Wretched is coming out. That's a Pretty solid horror movie if you haven't checked that out. That's the one that's like the top the box office for like like eight weeks in a row here. Cause 
you know it was playing in drive-ins and there's like no other movies but it's it's also pretty pretty damn good so i would recommend checking that out uh blood fight and iron heart are coming out as a double feature this is another mvd rewind collection movie uh, brutal massacre a comedy from 2007 the high note from earlier this year is coming out lucky grandma from i think that maybe came out late last year maybe this year might have been this year at some point uh, there's just something called serial killer collection uh, i'm looking at the cover here and it's just got like a woman's butt on the cover that's Serial Killer okay. Collection, the most arranged movies ever made. Can you just have like a, a naked butt on the cover of a movie? Like, I don't know. Let, let me read this. Let's let's look at this description here. Mainstream let's get into it. Let's dig a little deeper. Mainstream movies that depict serial killers completely sanitize their actions, or they rely too much on blood and gore. In this collection of four movies, the emphasis is on the bizarre, aberrant behavior. The main feature, depraved, is a word that sums it up best, but there are three other movies that are just as twisted. Okay. It doesn't say what those movies are. You have to buy it to find out. So, secret. Secret. They only give you one. Depraved. Depraved. How to Build a Girl is coming out. Uh, let's see. Live feed from 2006. Inside the rain. Ozone from 1995. This is a this is one that came out before, pretty recently. I'm not sure if this is some other version. No, or what? But I remember, like, I wanted to add this to my watch list when we originally talked about it, and I forgot. So I'm gonna do well. that. Yeah. Rectify. Now's the time. Uh, what do we have on Criterion this week? Oh, we got a big one. Another box set. It's a complete films of Agnes Varda. Which Ooh, you would boy. think it already would have happened on Criterion, considering that they pretty much have all of her all stuff. Of her films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they, they've, like, they've been riding the, the Varda wave for a very long time. Mm-hmm. But now, you get, you get them all together. All of them. It looks like 1955 all the way up to 2019. It's a big, a big, ton big, of movies. big collection. Ridiculous. All right. So, I mean, I would definitely suggest that. I would get it. I would maybe wait until there's another 50% off Barnes and Noble. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's a good, that's, that's a good call. That's it's a, it's a, call. a pretty pricey uh, collection. I, I mean, you get a lot. Worth yeah, that price. Yeah, yeah. You get a lot with it. Yeah, but I, I hear you on the waiting and getting that fifty percent off. Because then that's a deal right there. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. Oh yeah. Killer deal. Uh with that, I think we can end it this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on iTunes. We would appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>